welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I'm your host, Jordan Cundy wright founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club. I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy lifestyles. Before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you that registration is open for the second annual Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on October 22nd, hosted by our friends at the Athlete Lab in Little Canada, Minnesota. Just as we did last year, we will also include video submissions for participants who are unable to make the trip in person, and you'll be eligible for all of the same prizes as our in-person competitors. Just go to our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com, for details. This week, I am walking through my top 10 red flags that should make you think twice before signing up or paying for uh, any new nutrition or exercise program or signing up with a coach, as well as a few tips on what you should look for. I want to take a second to say that I am incredibly grateful that you listen to this podcast. The best way you could support me, of course, is to go register for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open. Maybe tell a friend or two. Let's go to our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com for details. And if you haven't already, please be sure to leave a rating review of the platform podcast in your app of choice and support my work by supporting our sponsors, whose affiliate links you'll find in the episode notes. And of course, if you want help reaching your goals without wasting time, please fill out the coaching interest form linked in the show notes. I help athletes of all levels using my integrated coaching approach. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club or email me TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Now, let's step onto the platform and discuss the top 10 red flags that you should look out for before signing up for any new nutrition, exercise program, or hiring a coach. All right, welcome into the Platform Podcast, Kettlebell Fat Blast edition. We are live in the Kettlebell Fat Blast Facebook group. It is high noon on Saturday, January 22nd, and I wanted to start doing these uh, on Saturday because I, I'm gonna, I think I'm, I'm going to be able to be more consistent with these and, and record on Saturdays and then be able to edit the audio and hopefully get these out every Monday uh, instead of on the Wednesday cadence. So uh, my goal for the year is, is to, to put out 40 new episodes. So I'm building in a little bit of flexibility um, to, to make sure that I have time for weekends where I don't need to record. Hope to get some good guests for you lined up. I'm very excited. It's been uh, a great start to the year so far. We're we're almost uh, we're almost through the first month already, which is kind of crazy. Um, but for a lot of us, I know we're still probably just getting into the rhythm of 2022. And in this week's episode, I wanted to dive in on a topic that was uh, suggested to me by a friend of the show, Matt Boris. I reached out to some people that that I know follow the show closely and asked him for suggestions on topics. Um, and he brought up that at this time of year. There are so many people out there that are shilling their solution for weight loss in 2022. And a lot of people are signing up for programs. And uh, frankly, a lot of them are total BS and they're sold by 
unscrupulous, underqualified, unqualified people who are just trying to make a, a quick buck. That's not to say everybody. There are also some very good coaches and trainers out there that are legitimately out there to try and help people. And they're also putting out programs and challenges and things uh, at the start of the year to try and take advantage of when people have that natural motivation of really wanting to get after it at the start of a year. So this episode, I wanted to get into what are my top 10 red flags that you should look for that make you think twice before you sign up for a challenge, uh, hire a coach, buy a program, start a new diet. Um, These generally apply across all of those dimensions. So so really top 10 red flags that that you should look out for. And I also, because I want to keep it positive, um, I'm also going to give you like five tips uh, on how, on, on, on what you should look for or how you can evaluate these Uh, these choices, because I want you to be successful in 2022. And obviously, I'm biased because I do this because I'm passionate about it. And I think that you should work with me. Um, But if you're not going to work with me, there are plenty of other great coaches out there, of course. Um, I'm I'm only partially kidding, right? Like I want to work with people. um, I want to help as many people as I can. But I also limit the number of people that I I work with, because I want to make sure that I can give people customized feedback. I want to make sure that I can give people the attention that I think that everyone deserves um, when you're paying for a service. And I want to help people get the results that they need. And that requires a, that requires a level of attention and and effort. So um, if you are interested in working with me, you can click on uh, the link tree in the show notes and there's a coaching interest form you can fill out there. Um, And that's for kettlebell coaching or nutrition coaching. This, this program, uh, this podcast episode is going to be much more around um, nutrition and training than it is going to be kettlebell specific. So we're going to, we're going to dive into it. So I want to thank Matt for suggesting this topic because this is one that I'm pretty passionate about. And I can tell you why (laughs) I have tried so many stupid things. (laughs) So hopefully that makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. Like I have done stupid programs. I have done extreme programs. I have, I have bought some of the ridiculous marketing claims that you see out there. I have believed in, uh, you know, the, the get, get ripped fast schemes and, you know, all of these different things. I've looked into a lot of these things. Now I haven't bought into all of them, um, but I've tried all sorts of diets. I've tried all sorts of nutrition programs. Um, you know, I, I tried, I tried a lot of things in my years coming up, especially, especially when I was younger and just wanted anything that would get me out of the pain of feeling like I was a fat kid, um, that, that would make me feel comfortable and confident in my skin. So if you have fallen victim to any of these things, um, you know, you've bought a a product or you've signed up for a program or you've worked with a coach that you came later to realize was completely full of shit. uh, Don't feel bad. (laughs) You're not alone. Um, A lot of people have, and most people um, that have struggled with weight loss have tried a lot of different programs. They've tried uh, a lot of things to help get them where they want to go. And marketers are really savvy about this. And frankly, they're getting more savvy about this now because of data and because of analytics. Um, it's a lot easier to, to, to test different approaches with different markets because of uh, Facebook's algorithms and YouTube's algorithms and, and Instagram's algorithms and the ability to, to do pay-per-click ads. And you can, you can, 
you know, set up what's called a multi-arm bandit test where you're going to test, you know, even minor tweaks um, to see which gets, what gets better conversion, what gets better click through and all of those things until you get a really targeted, uh, a really targeted approach that gets you the best conversion rate and um, really savvy digital marketers have done a good job of doing that. And um, for good and ill. So that can cause, that can cause a lot of problems, but it can also, it can also help people that are good at business uh, get their solution in front of people. So don't feel bad if you've been fooled by a sexy marketing claim or somebody had a really slick website or had a really slick funnel and, and it got you feeling uh, really excited about a solution only to get it in your hands and be like, uh, this is crap. Um, so how do you spot those things before you've put down your credit card? So let's get into my top 10 red flags. Now, I realize the red flag thing was a 2021 trend. It got a little ridiculous. Even corporations started getting getting in on the action of, of you know, hashtag red flags, right? But it's still fun. Things to look for. So number 10 on my list is what I like to call anic data. Now, don't get me wrong. Case studies are useful. Stories are useful. An example of what worked for your neighbor might be useful. It might get you interested in trying something new, uh, like CrossFit or kettlebell sport or a keto diet or whatever, right? But just because Ann over in accounting lost 15 pounds doing keto doesn't mean that it's the right solution for you. And a red flag when you're looking at a program is, is if they only use stories and anecdotes as their only means of supporting their claims, that should give you a little bit of pause because guess what? I can make up a story about the success of my program. I can even probably put somebody's picture by it. That doesn't mean that that's true, <laughs> right? And it doesn't mean that it's, and it doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Even if it is true, even if, it's a, even if it's a completely true anecdote, that doesn't mean that that person's circumstances are the same as yours. Right. So context matters. So if it's only anic data, that is a red flag. So that's tip. That's red flag number 10. Number nine is non-reputable sources. So say they go the next step further. And instead of just giving you anecdotes or anic data, um, they actually quote some studies and you look into it and they're using, um, you know, studies by the Yoga Institute of West Virginia to justify their claim of yoga being the absolute best way to get in shape or whatever. You can think of any, any example that you want. There's all sorts of hypothetical examples, right? But the point is, if they're using a non-reputable source to support a claim that they have made, check the sources, right? If it's not something, someone or something that you've ever heard of before, and it's not in a peer-reviewed study, it's probably not the most reputable source, right? Like if if you see that the they say Dr. Oz said on Oprah that this supplement is the best way to lose five pounds. Okay. And that's not a reputable source, right? I hate Dr. Oz just for the record. I think the guy is a, is a complete shill, um, but that's that's beside the point. Um, but just an example of non-reputable sources, right? Somebody told me or somebody with a credential said this is not the same as looking at a peer-reviewed scientific study, right? Number eight is pseudoscience. 
pseudoscience claims. This is one that I will be honest, I've been guilty of in the past. Um, you know, I, I will I will raise my hand for that and say, um, you know, especially back when I first got started uh, in in the fitness and nutrition space. And this is all the way back in, man, 2009, 2010. You know, I bought into some of the some of these things of like, oh, uh, Doritos have red dye number 40 in them, as well as, you know, some other synthetic ingredient that's also used in degreasing engines. You know, um, you'll hear these types of pseudosciencey claims like, oh, this contain this contains ammonia and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And if you combine those things, you get mustard gas, right? But that's in your food. It's like, well, that's not how organic chemistry works, right? Like, Water is in almost everything, uh, in, including a lot of toxic chemicals, including a lot of toxic compounds, water and hydrogen present, uh, right? Like that doesn't make water and hydrogen bad for you, right? So you'll see these pseudoscience claims. Um, uh, the food science babe on Instagram is a great follow. She's a registered dietitian and like her whole thing is debunking uh, these ridiculous, uh, pseudosciencey claims that you'll see particularly about food, but another really perfect example of pseudosciencey claims that's really well known, um, is a particular program that was sold on infomercials claimed that you could confuse the muscles, unlock the power of muscle confusion. Your body won't know what hit it and you're going to get amazing results, right? Newsflash muscles can't get confused. They don't have brains. They are cells with nerves. They do not have brains. They can't get confused. <laughs> so muscle confusion is not a real thing. It's a pseudosciencey bullshit marketing term. It sounds, it sounds good. And you can think about like, oh yeah, varying the stimulus every day is going to make, keep my muscles off balance. They're never going to know what's coming. So that's going to force them to get better, right? Uh, yes and no. It depends. Um, if you're just looking for general fitness improvement, yeah, varying the stimulus um, is going to get pretty good general adaptation. And yes, if you're going to work out five or six times a week, you probably should vary the type of stimulus, the planes of motion, the level of intensity, all of those things. Those are, those are all good things. But if you're looking for a specific goal, um, the said principle applies. Specific adaptation to imposed demands. That means that if you want to get better at kettlebell sport, you should probably do kettlebell sport. If you want to get better at powerlifting, you should practice powerlifting, right? If your goals are more general, yes, then varied stimulus can be very useful. And I will say like CrossFit takes good, they take good advantage of the idea of being generally physical prepared for anything that comes at you. But that is not to say that they don't still apply the said principle. They, they also apply the, the GED principle, right? The, the general adaptation to impose demands, basically saying that if you are just generally more active, um, doing a variety of things, you will get generally more fit, which is a good approach. But when it's time to prep for the games, um, CrossFit athletes focus specifically on certain things that they know are very likely to be in the games. And they know there are certain types of movements that they know they need to be good at. They know there's going to be Olympics in there, Olympic weightlifts, right? They know there's going to be cleans and snatches. They know there's probably going to be some ring work. So they work on muscle ups. They work on, you know, various things that are very likely to be in there because they want specific adaptation to the things that they know are highly likely to be, in, right? So don't get tricked by pseudosciencey claims. Just because it sounds scientific doesn't mean that it really is science, right? So really, really think about the claims that are being. Number seven, 
there's no consultation or customization process or systems in place. Now, I understand that if you're just buying an info product, um, you know, online and you're just looking, you're just buying programming or you're buying a, a nutrition plan or something like that, but there may not be a level of customization or there may not be a personal consult involved, but there should always be a customization option available. Kettlebell Kings is a, is a great example. They've got, they've got their living fit programs and you can buy their, you can buy some of their, their training programs done for you really, really well documented. And they give you advanced intermediate and beginner level progressions and regressions for the movements that they've prescribed, right? So there's a level of customization available. They're not just saying one size fits all. Here's the program. Everyone should do this because not everyone should do that. Newsflash. We are different. People have different needs. We have different injury histories. We have different goals, different backgrounds, different stress levels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So especially if you're going to sign up with a coach, um, for coaching, there should be a consult before you even start. Before you put down any money, there should be a free consultation that that's, gives you a chance to talk to the coach, give them your history and your background and your context, and make sure it's a good fit for you, right? So there should be some type of consultation or customization angle um, or system. There should be a process or a system for some level of customization. That level of customization will vary depending on the price point and the type of service or product that you're signing up for, obviously. But there should be some way to customize your experience to your specific needs. If they're selling one size fits all, that should be a red flag. Okay. Red flag number six, any program that puts you in a severe calorie deficit or an extreme training protocol. And this ties back to number seven, right? You can't know what is an extreme deficit if you don't know what somebody's baseline is. So for example, I myself personally bought a nutrition program that I was interested in from a highly respected nutrition coach, a highly respected MMA coach um, who, who does nutrition. And I, I won't use his name because I don't want to disparage his program, um, but it was essentially a meal plan and it was very much, there were a couple of options, but I looked at all of the options and they all were in the 1600 to 2300 calorie range. That may work for the general population for a lot of people. Of course, it's going to get results for, for weight loss and relatively rapidly for a lot of people. But like for someone like me, who I can tell you right now, I, I, that my maintenance level calorie intake is, is between 31 and 3,300 calories a day, depending on how active I am on a given week, right? That would be putting me at its highest level, highest prescribed level in a 1,000 calorie a day deficit. That is a massive deficit that, of course, I would lose weight if I went to that program, but I would lose muscle tissue. I would lose body fat. I would lose water, right? But I would also stop losing weight pretty quickly because my body would adapt to that. If I tried to sustain that level of deficit, that would not be good for me. And I'd probably be cranky. I'd have some hormonal disruption. There'd be a lot of negative consequences to going that deep that fast, right? And since there was no consultation on what my current intake looks like or any of those things, it was very much a one size fits all. I got a re I asked for a refund. I, I, I was like, this is, this is not going to work for me. It was not what I thought it was. Uh, I asked for a refund. They gave me a refund. Great. Um, but any protocol that puts you in a severe deficit, and I'll say severe is generally um, anything more than 20% off of your baseline 
is, is a severe deficit. And, and honestly, I start most of my clients, um, you know, we start at like a 10% because I'm looking for minimum clinical effective dose because you can only go so far into deficit before you start having hormonal downregulation, before you have metabolic downregulation, before your body stops burning as many calories during exercise and at rest. Um, that, that happens if you go too deep, too fast. And the longer you're there, the faster it happens because your body is, your body's job is to maintain homeostasis. So when you cut the calories way low, your body turns down the output. This is why calories in calories out is tricky and it's a moving target, right? So if it's an extreme deficit, uh, that's a red flag. Similarly, when you look at exercise, if you're currently doing nothing and you sign up for 75 hard, for example, um, they're going to tell you, you need to do two workouts a day, one of which needs to be out, outside, two 45-minute training sessions a day. Now, I will give them credit for saying they say the intensity and protocol is completely up to you. So you're just signing up to do two movement sessions of 45 minutes in duration. Um, but still, twice a day, every day for 75 days, if you were doing nothing, that's a very extreme protocol, right? That should be a red flag, right? And obviously, they're they're branding it that way. It's 75 hard. It's not 75 easy or 75 medium, right? Like it's it's they're intentional about advertising that it's extreme, and that appeals to a lot of people. It appeals to the psychology of wanting change now, because we assume that the more extreme that we can make something, the faster we're going to get where we want to go. And that's only true if you look at a very short aperture, right? If you look in a short time window. But the broader the time window gets, the less likely those extreme protocols are to give you long-term success because you can't stick with them or because they come with other consequences, right? So if a nutrition or exercise protocol calls for extreme behavior, then that should definitely be a red, a red flag. And extreme is relative, right? It is relative to what you're currently doing. So for some people, if you're already training four or five days a week, you know, 75 hard might not be that big of a stretch for you because you can just say, okay, I'm going to add a walk every morning for 45 minutes. And then I'm going to add yoga on the other days that I already strength trained, right? Then you could be doing two, two training sessions a day for 75 days of varying intensity, right? And that would, that wouldn't necessarily be extreme for you. But again, context matters, personalization matters, customization matters, right? So really, really look at, is this, is this protocol extreme for me? Is this a massive change to my life? Right? Because if the answer is yes, a, it's not, you're not likely to be able to stick to it very for very long. And B it's all, it's also likely to have consequences elsewhere in your life or in your body. Red flag. We interrupt this episode to do a special thank you for our sponsors. Pro Kettlebell, home of Made in the USA competition kettlebells. Kettlebell Kings, makers of all things kettlebell, including competition and cast iron bells. Barefoot Athletics, optimizing the human-to-ground interface. Driven Nutrition Supplements, Revive Supplements. 27 Degrees Apparel. Bellevator Belts by Dennis Vasiliev and Cambrian Customs Plate Loadable Maces. Thank you for your support in 2021, and I look forward to an even better 2022.
number five, and this is specific to, to nutrition, uh, plans, although you can replace, I guess you could replace this with, uh, with equipment as well. Anything that requires you to purchase a particular supplement or a particular piece of equipment as though this is, and they position it as this is the solution that you need. So now I'm not saying, for example, if you, if you want to do a, a kettlebell program and somebody's saying, well, you need a kettlebell to do this program, that's reasonable. But if they're saying the only way you can lose weight is to buy a kettlebell, well, that's obviously false. The only way that you can lose weight or the best way to lose weight is to do this detox tea and this stack of supplements, right? Here's our wonderful program. All you have to do is replace your three meals a day with these three nutrition shakes, right? Anything that requires you to replace real foods with supplements is probably not a good approach. Wait, you know, like weight will come off, of course. Um, but it's probably not going to be sustainable. And we all know like slim fast made its hay in that just two shakes a day and a, and a reasonable dinner or whatever the hell their tagline was, right? Like, or even, even, but even if you're replacing just one meal a day with uh, just a, a pre-packaged shake or supplements, like that's probably not super sustainable and it's going to have effects on your satiety levels, your leptin and ghrelin hormones that tell you you're hungry, full signals, right? It's not sustainable. I'm fine with supplementation. Supplements are not bad. And supplements actually can be for some people, the lowest hanging fruit, as far as doing something easy, a low barrier of entry um, to do something health focused, to do something that helps you get on track. You know, I talked in the, in the group about habit stacking. One of the things that I started with when I was looking at how to start the year, one of the things that I started with was, Hey, I'm going to take my supplements, my AM supplements every morning when I wake up, because it was a low hanging fruit. It takes me literally two minutes to do it. And when I do that, I also start my day with water because I'm taking vitamin D and fish oil and a couple other things, right? I'm taking that first thing in the morning. And that gets me started on hydrating myself. It already gets me ahead of the game for getting uh, adequate levels of water in. So this is what we call habit stacking. Right. So that is perfectly fine because I would actually now my I've stacked another habit on tap on top of that. So I wake up in the morning, I take my supplements, I put my my kettle on for my tea and I sit down and I journal for five minutes in the morning and have my tea after I've taken my supplements. That's so I've started building out a morning routine. Right. But what I haven't done is replaced my breakfast with uh a slim fast shake or whatever, you know, any, any, you know, any brand of, of replacement shake, right. I will sometimes have a smoothie for breakfast, but that is a smoothie that I make from whole foods. And I use, I use uh, driven nutrition, whey protein in that with uh, spinach and fruit and milk and avocado or flax seeds or whatever, right. That, that is fine. But some days like this morning, I'll have a skillet. I'll have three eggs with potatoes and mushrooms and spinach and onions and sausage, right? That was my breakfast this morning, right? I'm not replacing whole food, real food with supplements. That is a major red flag because supplements are supposed to be supplements. They are the peak of the pyramid. They are supposed to be an adjunct. Once you have gotten your other baseline habits in place, they are supposed to then be an enhancement on that or to fill in the gaps in an already solid routine, right? So 
anything that's telling you that you need to purchase supplements, that that is the key to, to weight loss or to success, right? That is a red flag. And you should, you should very strongly consider not doing that protocol. All right. Number four, any program that, or diet that demonizes any macronutrient. And I, I, I use that word very intentionally, right? Because we've seen the flow in the, the world uh, of nutrition, we've seen the pendulum swing multiple directions, right? You remember back in, back in the 90s when it was fat that was making you fat. Fat was the enemy. Fat was making you fat. If you eat too much fat, you're going to be fat. Duh, it just makes sense. Fat makes you fat, right? And the pendulum swung really hard. So what did we start seeing? You remember like the Snackwell's cookies? Man, I could crush a whole case of those Snackwell's cookies and fuck, I felt okay about it because- they were the Snackwell's devil cakes. They weren't even that good. The devil's food cake cookies. They weren't even that good thinking back on them. Um, like, but I would eat a whole case of them because they didn't have any fat in them. So they, they're, they're fine. I just need to avoid the fat. The, the carbs were totally fine. The fact that I just sat down and crushed like, you know, 150 carbohydrates in one sitting was no big deal. That couldn't possibly be the problem. You know, uh, it couldn't, it couldn't possibly be the fact that I, you know, that I just had one of 700 calories of cookies in one sitting, that can't possibly be the problem. <laughs> no, no, no. The problem is fat. Yeah. Fat is the fat is the problem. Right. And now the, the pendulum swung the other way and keto it's keto, bro. No, fat's not the problem. It's carbs. Carbs are the problem, right? You just got to get rid of the carbs, man. Replace, replace those carbs with ketones. Your body doesn't even need carbs. Technically true, but that doesn't make it optimal just because your body can survive without carbs doesn't mean it's optimal. Your body can survive without sex too, but God, I don't want to eliminate it from my life, right? Any, any protocol that's going to demonize a macronutrient is not, is not a good idea or, or even, or even a specific food or a specific food group, right? Like, oh, you just have to go gluten-free or you just have to eliminate sugar, or you just have to like, you just have to, to get rid of that, you know, this one evil thing. That's the evil thing. That's the key, right? It's more complicated than that. That is a very simple, very simple conclusion from very complex science, right? So again, it requires context. It requires understanding of what works well for you. It is not so simple as just eliminate any particular macro. I generally am a fan of balanced profiles and customizing macronutrient profiles based on your preferences and based on what your body needs, because people are different. Um, they have different needs and it's important to understand those. And it's also important to understand that you, all macronutrients are, there's only, there's only three macronutrients our body can use. So to eliminate one of them makes the diet significantly less likely to be sustainable. Very few people that can sustain a ketogenic diet long-term, at least that I've seen. And that's not to say that ketogenic diets are bad. Metabolic flexibility is a good thing. And, and being able to go without carbohydrates, without crushing your, your body is great. Being able to go without fat, you know, or, or without high amounts of fat for, for a period of time without it crushing your body is also good, right? So we, we want a body that's adaptive and metabolically flexible, but um, demonizing a macro is just, is just bad. It's just, it's just a red flag. So if you see somebody out there that is making claims about a particular macronutrient being the problem. The one that's never gotten really that much of a bad rap is protein. Although you will get the, you will get, I shouldn't actually say that you will get the protein is causing cancer. Protein is causing uh, liver disease or kidney stones or, you know, um, 
again, check the science. <laughs> um, there, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, confounding factors, confounding variables when it comes to nutrition science. So any, anything that, that demonizes a macro is generally not a good approach. And that's not to say that like vegetarianism or veganism are saying that meat is bad. There's ethical reasons for a lot of people or, and health reasons why a lot of people choose not to eat meat. And that's okay. I'm not saying that people that, that make those choices are bad or are, or are giving you bad advice. Stephen Riddle is a great example. He's a great coach and he himself eats mostly vegan or entirely vegan, but he doesn't make his clients eat vegan. He's not telling them that eating meat is bad. He's made his nutrition choices based on his preferences and what he wants, but he also coaches people who don't want to make that choice or don't want to change to a vegan diet. And he supports them and gives them good nutrition advice without saying meat is bad or dairy products are bad because that's his personal choice, but that doesn't mean that it's good for everyone. And he understands that, that distinction. So that, that is a huge red flag. If you run into somebody who is demonizing a particular, uh, a particular macronutrient or telling you that there's only one way that this is the right way to eat. That's, that's definitely a red flag. All right. We're going to get into the top three. Now, number three is the person who is selling this product has no credentials or training to back up the solution, right? Anybody can go call themselves a nutritionist or a nutrition coach or whatever. There are potentially consequences if you get called calling yourself a, a dietitian, um, you know, depending on the state that you live in. But on the internet, it's kind of the Wild West. You can call yourself an expert pretty quickly. There's actually, there's actually marketers that will coach you on how to establish yourself as an expert if you don't have the credentials to back it up. And that is not to say that credentialing is the only way to acquire knowledge, but anybody who's serious about helping people in the field of fitness or nutrition, anybody that I know who's serious about it, even if they came to it later in their life, like I did, I didn't study nutrition in college. I studied psychology, right? But when I got serious about getting into personal training, I got a certification so that I had a credential and then I got another, and then I got another, and then I got another, right? So that I had, I had credentials that showed that I knew what I was talking about. And just because I liked learning, right? And when I decided to get into nutrition coaching, I went and got a certification for nutrition coaching before I started coaching nutrition, right? I, I got multiple certifications, right? So people should have credentials that back up their position, right? Just because somebody has six pack abs doesn't mean that they know how to safely and effectively help you with your goal, right? If your goal is six pack abs, that doesn't mean that that person knows how to get you six pack abs. They might just be genetically blessed. They might be on performance enhancing drugs. I don't know. That might be a filter on Instagram. That might be Photoshopped. There's all sorts of crazy shit that people will do to make money because it's easy. And there are a lot of people on the internet. So there are plenty of unscrupulous people who are perfectly fine being a fraud. So check credentials because credentials matter. And I'm not saying that it's bad to have six pack abs or that it's bad to look the part, right? Like the body as the body as a billboard is, is a great thing in the nutrition coaching and personal training space, right? But I know plenty of people that looked great that didn't know jack shit that I was a much better coach than, or I was a much better trainer than, or a much better 
Like I actually understood nutrition and they just ate what they ate and had ripped abs anyways. Right. So just because somebody looks the part doesn't mean they have the knowledge to back it up. Right. So, and they may have the knowledge to back it up if they look the part, but they may not. So trust, but verify, right. Verify that the person actually has some knowledge just because they look good on Instagram doesn't mean that they are actually qualified to give you nutrition or fitness advice. So check credentials, make sure they have education necessary to actually give you sound, solid advice, right? All right. Number two, it sells a magic bullet, right? All you need to do is this one thing. You don't have to change anything else about your life without changing your diet, without changing, without changing your exercise. All you have to do is take this supplement or all you have to do is fast or all you have to do it right without changing anything else, right? Bullshit. Bullshit. There is no magic bullet. Nothing changes if nothing changes, right? Doing this in a way that is sustainable, healthy, realistic, and can actually get you where you want to go is a process. It's systematic. It's iterative. It is hard work. If it was easy and there was a magic bullet, everyone would buy it. You would hear all about it from everyone, right? But instead you hear of one magic bullet from Ann in accounting and you hear another one from, from Bob in fulfillment and you hear another one from your cousin's uncle's sister, right? Like there are so many magic bullets because there are so many people out there selling magic bullets, right? There is no magic bullet unless you can, unless you count consistency and commitment, (laughs) you know, sustainability as magic bullets, but they're really not because that's longitudinal. It takes time and effort, right? So if there is a solution telling you that there is only one thing that you need to do or that you can get these amazing results without changing anything, it's bullshit. There's no magic bullet. Sorry. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think deep down, you probably knew that. There is no magic bullet. So don't buy magic bullet solutions. All right. And last but not least, the number one ties into number two, but it's, it's, it's really about the, the time frame. If they promise you unbelievable results, unbelievably fast, red flag. You see this on magazine covers and it drives me fucking crazy. Get six pack abs in just a month. Tone your tush in 10 days. Really? Really? What if it took me 10 years for my butt to get this big? You're saying I can, I can tone it in 10 days? Oh, okay. Six pack abs in a month, eh? One of them 100 pounds overweight, right? Be very wary of lose weight fast schemes. Get strong fast schemes. Get rich quick schemes, right? Get rich quick schemes. Anything that tells you that they can get you results quickly without hard work, right? Or even with hard work, there are people that will tell you this program's super intense. Right. But they're, but it only takes 30 days. Right. I get the appeal. Right. For a long time, I was, I was toying around with the idea of, of releasing a, the 28 day fat blast, the 28 day kettlebell fat blast. It's actually where the name of this group came from because I was, I was going to market a product that was a 28 day rapid fat loss program. Right. And that doesn't make it bad, but I didn't want to go there because it's, because it sets an unrealistic expectation. There's not a 28 day solution to, to health and wellness, right? There's a 28 year solution, right? Or a 28 week solution, right? But if somebody's promising you unbelievable results, unbelievably fast, that is my number one red flag. And it, again, it plays on human psychology because we all want results now. 
we want the thing that we want in instantaneously. We want our Amazon Prime delivered right away. We want it, you know, it went from five days to three days to two days. So now there are some things you can get within hours, right? We're in an instant gratification society. We want what we want and we want it yesterday, but especially when we're in pain and marketers are really good at, they will say, find the pain, aggravate the pain, and then present your your solution as the way to get out of pain. That is what market that is what marketing does, right? That is that is taught in so many arenas, especially in health and wellness, right? I was taught that when I started at Lifetime Fitness. You want to sell big personal training packages, build rapport, find the person's pain, aggravate that pain, and show them the solution. Now, is that unethical? Not necessarily, because a lot of people are in pain. And a realistic solution to that pain an actual solution to that pain. I have no qualms selling that because you can actually help people build a sustainable lifestyle. You can help people get healthier. You can help people lose a hundred pounds and keep it off for a decade. I've done it. You, you can do that. You can help people change their life permanently. That's fantastic. But if somebody finds that pain, aggravates that pain, and then tells you they can solve it like that in the snap of a finger, they can solve it quickly, run the other way. Don't walk, run the other way, right? Now, if they're trying to sell you a rapid program, you know, a 10-week challenge or a, or a 30-day challenge or whatever as a lead-in to a more to a longer-term program, that's okay, right? Of course, people want to, I want to get my clients quick wins. I want to get them progress right away, build momentum, get them feeling good about what we're doing, right? There's nothing wrong with wanting to see progress right away, but we have to have realistic expectations on the back end of that. There has to be an exit strategy. There has to be a longitudinal perspective to it. It can't just be about being fast. So there were my, my top 10 red flags. And just to recount them back to you, number 10 was anic data. Number nine was non-reputable sources. Number eight was pseudoscience claims. Number seven was no, no consultation or customization process or systems. Number six was severe deficit or extreme protocols. Number five was replacing, requiring supplement purchases and or replacing real food with supplements. Number four was dogma and demonizing of anything that's outside of the dogma. So demonizing any particular macronutrient or other training protocol. Number three is lack of credentials or training necessary. Number two, selling a magic bullet. And number one was the promise of unbelievable results, unbelievably fast. So those are my top 10 red flags. And I alluded to some of these tips as, as I went through these, but I'm going to render them explicit for you. So here are just five quick tips for you um, to, to help you be able to assess whether these programs are a good idea. Number five, check sources, check their data sources, ask them for sources, right? That's number four, ask them for, ask them for studies that support any claims that they make, but then check those sources, right? Number three is ask about their credentials, ask about their training, right? Do they have the necessary training, right? I, I, I talked about some of, the, some of the credentials I have. If you go to my website, you can see the credentials that I have. I'm not going to list them here, but I have credentials. I have probably more, more than, I've spent a, a lot of money a lot of, on a lot of credentials. I don't really use that much, but you know, and a lot of them I don't keep active anymore because of that, but I still have a lot of credentials to back up what I do. Number two, ask for references. 
Anybody can put social proof out there. I love social proof. Don't get me wrong. I love testimonials. I love quotes on websites. I love pictures before, before and afters, but those can be manipulated. Those can be synthesized. They, people use other people's before and afters. Can't tell you how many coaches I know who are like, dude, I saw one of my before and afters from one of my clients show up on some other randos website or on their, on their Instagram, right? Like that is a thing that happens. So ask for references to talk to actual clients and then call them actually follow up. Like this is like actually follow up because, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that it's easy to fake and some people will fake it, which is crazy to me, but true. Some people will actually fake their, their before and afters and their, their testimonials and all of those things. Right. So ask for references to actual past or current clients. Right. And then, and then, and then follow up. And if the person doesn't have any or isn't willing to give you any, then, uh, I would consider going elsewhere unless they're a brand new coach. And hopefully if they're a brand new coach, um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't give them a chance. I mean, I was a new coach at one point, right? If you like them and you trust them and you think that they can help you, but they, but they're new, they should tell you like, Hey, I'm, I'm new. I really don't actually have any referenceable clients at this point. I, I would love for you to be my first, you know, that was honestly something that I told somebody when I didn't have any referenceable clients, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm brand new at this. My first client was me, <laughs> you know? Um, and I told them my story. You know, but I, I I have clients from you know ten years ago that are still fine with me using them as references. You know, I have clients from from this year that I, I know I could reach out to and they would be references for me, right? So ask for references and check them. And the number one is use your brain, think critically, be skeptical. That's totally fine. No one has ever offended me by being skeptical or asking me for my credentials or asking me about my process, asking me why, right? Ask ask coaches why they do things the way that they do. And if they don't have an answer, doesn't it's not very well thought out, or maybe they don't, they don't have the knowledge necessary to support why they're, why they're doing something. Right. So think critically. And the, the number one thing I would say is like, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Um, but when you're thinking about a particular program, right, does this approach seem sustainable? Because what it takes to attain it is what's required to sustain it in a lot of cases. Right. So really look at it from that lens. Is this approach sustainable? And if the answer is no, then you probably shouldn't do it. All right. That is it for me today. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you caught this live on the, on the live stream, thank you for, for joining me. And if not, then I will see you on the podcast. Thanks. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Kundi wright We'll be back with a new episode next week. Please don't forget to register for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. And if you have a question or suggestion, please email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club. And of course, if you want to step onto the platform and compete in kettlebell sport, please reach out to me. Till next time.